Welcome to Oh This World. This is a podcast for people inclined to take action in the age of coronavirus. As Americans and as Texans, we wonder about the choices we are personally making in this new world disorder. And because our state and federal governments have failed to provide the leadership necessary to help all of us make informed decisions, it sometimes seems like we're all on our own. But at a time when it's easy to feel helpless, we're focused on action. I'm Antoinette Perez. And I'm Lucas Schaefer. We're friends, engaged citizens, and progressive activists in Austin, Texas. Our mission is to help Texans and people across the country hold our leaders accountable and build an America that leaves no one behind. So grab a drink, wash your hands, and join us for Oh This World. Welcome to Oh This World, Antoinette. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. If you are listening to this on Friday, it is not out of date. There is a lot we're talking about that will be relevant for the whole weekend and some time to come, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. or, well, probably unfortunately. Our subject today is Governor Greg Abbott's decision to quote-unquote reopen Texas. I have some linguistic qualms, but we're not going to waste time there. Um, what what his order means and what we can all do about it. Um, but we have some other business to discuss first, Antoinette. One of the things we want to do on Oh This World is not only explore ideas that you can take to stay involved um, during this age of coronavirus, but also talk about our own attempts at activism, not to brag, because oftentimes they are not successful. Um, Many times they're successful, but often, you know, they're sometimes not. Um, But just to have an honest conversation about what it means to get involved, the pros and cons, um, and all of that. So Antoinette, you had an interesting meeting yesterday. Tell us about that. Yes, I did. I... I think that it's important to point out that we do engage sometimes in contact with our elected officials in pre-COVID, pre-pandemic times, Um, and and we can adjust those ways now. So yesterday, I participated in a meeting with a group of other constituents in the Texas 21st District, and this is a group that meets every Wednesday pre-pandemic. They met in person at our congressperson's office, and they would meet with a staffer every single Wednesday. There are two staffers that kind of switch off the role. And so one of them would probably meet with them about 75% of the time. And then when that person was not available, there's a second staffer that would sometimes meet with this group. And although I'm invited every week, pre-pandemic, I was often not available out of town working, that sort of thing. And I couldn't go. And now that we are in pandemic times and my schedule is gravely adjusted. And because now that meeting is not occurring in person, but over Zoom, I was able to make it. So yes, I attended that meeting yesterday. It was, I believe, my first Zoom meeting with the congressman's office. Just to be clear, these are constituents who don't agree with the congressman, but are meeting with him for what purpose or meeting with his staff for what purpose? That's right. Congress people have 
usually at least one staff member in each of their local home district offices that's called a constituent services liaison. And that person's role is to meet with any constituent in the district about any concerns that they have or problems that they need help solving. So before things got quite so heated, and I think everyday citizens like us needed to step back up and reclaim our democracy, you would see things like um, young people maybe applying for an Air Force Academy and, yes, needing their congresspersons. Uh, letter of recommendation, that sort of thing. And they would go in and the first stop is usually that constituent liaison services. Um, Yes. And so what we know, though, is that their job is to represent us. Their job is to meet with us and their job is to hear us. So very frequently in the last four years, we have seen a lot of progressive folks show up and exercise that right to access their elected officials or try to. Very good. So what what happened yesterday? Yesterday, a group of about eight of us, uh, eight progressive citizens that live in this district, got together on Zoom with the constituent services liaison. And we did the thing that we normally do, which is we each take turns either reading a pre-written letter Because sometimes if we don't read a letter, we can roll off the cuff and it will take a very long time to say what we want to say. So sometimes people will just write a letter and then they'll show up and read the letter. In person, they will also often turn in the letter to this uh, staff member. And every once in a while, though, I I would say half the people will read something that's pre-prepared and then half of them will speak off the cuff Two, two quick things. One, we're not trying to be coy about who this person is. It's Congressman Chip Roy, Republican of the 21st Congressional District, bane of both of our existences. And two, and and I'm sorry if you if you were going to get to this, just tell me to buzz off. But this was there was also kind of a significant anniversary. Thank you for reminding me. Sure. I'd forgotten about that. Sure. Yesterday was a significant anniversary because one year ago, yesterday, April 29th, 2019, I was having a peaceful breakfast with a friend of mine at a restaurant in South Austin. And toward the end of that meeting, I suddenly caught a flash of what I believed was our congressman in the restaurant doing that thing that we sometimes do when we walk in a restaurant, we kind of peek around to see if the person that we're meeting is there and we don't see them and we turn around and we go the other direction. And I said to my friend, hold on, I think this is my congressman. And because she also has made the same calls to her congressman, she said, go like the wind. And she made a sign of the cross over me and I dashed off through the restaurant in hot pursuit because we had been asking him for months for a meeting. For months. For months. And we were unable to get him in a meeting. So the fact that he was there, that I had this opportunity, I found him in the lobby. I introduced myself and I very quickly ran down two or three items on my list. One of them I remember was a tweet. Of course, of course. So he and I talked about his tweet. um, And essentially, I said to him, I don't know that a restaurant lobby is the best place to have this conversation. I know some other people who would love to meet with you, too. Can we schedule an appointment? To his credit, he gave contact information that is probably not available to the general public, which is fine. I hesitated about that because then, of course, reaching him through that channel meant he then had my information. 
that said, we did that. And it took about two months for us to come up with a date to meet with the group. The, uh, it was a date that had the largest percentage of this group yes. that could attend. And we had that meeting last June. So anyway, April 29th, though, was that date. And it was significant this year because Chip has been asking for the country to reopen. And as you've stated in previous podcasts, he has used the emotional lure of our beloved Austin institutions closing and that it's not their fault and we need to reopen the economy, all circumventing the issue of whether or not it's healthy for us to do so, whether or not we have the testing capacity, um, the contact tracing processes and systems and personnel in place for that to be something we really need to do. And he has so, also said mm-hmm. that he has also said that those who agree with those stay-at-home measures, which is the vast majority of Americans, he has compared those measures to Nazi Germany. Yes. To Nazi Germany as opposed to, uh, you know, government officials and local officials who are trying to keep their constituents alive. That's right. Healthy and safe. Right. And so yesterday I had been asked by a couple of my fellow activists to attend this meeting and to extend an invitation to our congressman to meet with any of us who would meet him at a restaurant of his choice, possibly one of these beloved institutions he is so bent on saving with his order of migas or whatever it is that he's going to order. Calling him on his bluff, essentially. <laughs> Calling him on his bluff. Right. And um, and after that request was made, I was stunned to hear this. Um, it was it was kind of a, a petulant response from mm-hmm. the staffer who essentially tried to bounce me over to the scheduler as though I had never had contact or requests of the scheduler that had gone unanswered before. And when I pointed that out, the staffer suggested to me that I carbon copy her in on that request, at which point I asked isn't my request of you enough right now to pass this on to the scheduler, to pass this on to the congressman? Isn't that kind of the point of doing this? The thing, though, that I I really, I want to drive home for folks is I've heard from some people that are listening that they had kind of gotten stale on reaching out to their their local elected officials' offices, and that since the podcast, they have had a little bit more motivation, um, especially with us being able to try to Uh, make the calls to action as succinct as possible so they can get on the phone, make the call 60 seconds later, they're done. They've done their duty for the day. The part that's so interesting to me, and I remember us talking about this on a previous podcast, is how much the staff members come to reflect the attitude, personality, approach to life that their elected official whose office they work in does. And so you and I have been to several of those offices in the Austin area. And just really quick, it's so interesting to me that when we have gone to Senator Cruz's office downtown, actually, I'm going to end with him. Um, We've gone to Senator Cornyn's office in that particular office. um, You know, Senator Cornyn is, sort of, he, he comes across very dignified, incredibly professional, 
Um, his staff reflects not on, that not on very Twitter. much. Okay, not, not, on, on, Twitter. not on Twitter. But in person, okay. in person, he tends to come across that way. And in person, his staff is the same. They are friendly and congenial, and and I don't know that I trust them behind closed doors. Um, we have been to Chip's office and before him, Lamar Smith's office. Oh, yes. And Chip's staffer yesterday had this tone of voice that when I described this interaction to my 17-year-old, I said, what do you think about this response? And he said, it sounds like me. <laughs> and I said, bingo, mm-hmm. bingo. Mm-hmm. Um, at Senator Cruz's office. So for those of you that don't live in Austin, <sighs> I think it's fun to point out that uh, Senator Cruz works in the same federal building as Congressman Lloyd Doggett, who out of the six congressional districts that each have a piece of Austin, he's the only Democratic representative. Uh, we went there and there is a voodoo donuts around the corner. So we, we went around the corner, we got voodoo donuts, we went to go visit Senator Cruz's office. And in, I don't know, 10 times that I've been there, you never get to go up to the office unless you have made your way through a labyrinthine like maze of people to talk with, people to tweet at, to publicly shame them into scheduling an appointment. And then it's six weeks out and then that issue is not a thing anymore and you got to bring the next issue. It's a big to do. But you basically go to Cruz's office and you stand in this lobby of a federal building crammed in with eight other people that have come with you, one staff member, and the attitude, it's surly. It's, um, they'll laugh in your face if they don't agree. Like, it's really unpleasant. That is probably, out of all of them, the one that feels like the most duty. But by contrast, I'll say, we went there one time with a dozen uh, donuts, and they didn't even trust us to take the donuts. So we rang uh, Congressman Doggett's office, and we are not constituents of theirs, and they called us up, escorted us up to their deal. They were all pleasant and lovely. They sent a staffer out to the lobby. She sat down with us. They accepted the donuts gracefully, even though they don't represent us. And it was a lovely interaction. The staff members often do reflect the elected officials on whose staff they serve. Yes. Okay. Two quick things, and then we'll move on to yes. the, hap- the the happier topic of Greg Greg Abbott. <laughs> oh my God, this is this is a dark episode, um, but action oriented, dark and action oriented. Very. Um, oh my goodness, with these people. Two quick things. One, this idea that you're contacting, you're you're meeting with the constituent services person, and they're saying contact the scheduler, contact this. This is a Republican strategy that drives me up the wall. They do you remember that there was when Chip first got into office, right? We were like, we, uh, Antoinette, Antoinette and I are both um, associated with Texas 21 Indivisible. And we, Indivisible was like, hey, we should do a town hall and we'll, we'll, help set it up um, Mm -hmm. and invite Chip, right? And the runaround, I literally sent his chief of staff a location. We found a location. We had a local businesswoman who donated space. And, oh, we can't do it here because of this, you know, random law that actually doesn't apply to that. But then it's on it's on us then to go look up the law, look up the thing. And, oh, I think you're mistaken. No, it's 
it is designed to waste our time. Yes. While not actually answering any questions. And in fact, at that Ted Cruz meeting, I asked the legislative director at that meeting a question about uh, if abortion was illegalized in Texas, if Senator Cruz supported imprisoning women, Mm -hmm. if that was part of the plan. And not only did he not answer that, but he said he would check back with Senator Cruz if I uh, called a certain, called him back at his number, did that emailed, did it every day for a month for about six months, never heard back. So part of the strategy is to just waste our time, which is not a reason not Not to to do it. But but be aware. Be aware. And back to your point at the very beginning, it sometimes feels like when we go in and we engage, we walk out and it hasn't been a win. And the truth is that this is all a long game that we are playing. And every time we show up, even if it feels like it's not a win, it's a push in the right direction. And it might not be a yes. win that day, but at the end of that discussion period yes. or debate period for a bill or at the end of that election cycle, every push matters. Every time it we does. show up, it matters. It does. One last point on this, and I'm good. Antoinette always, you you have this infectious positive attitude that is exactly what we need in activism. And then here comes Lucas Schaefer in with the negativity. But I just want to say one thing about this, which is so far, this is our 10th episode, we're giving a lot of different ways to get involved, right? Meeting yes. with your meeting with your constituent ser- services person, calling letters to the editor, uh, you know, protests in your yard with yard mm-hmm. signs, all of these different things. And I did just want to throw out there that not every type of activism is right for everyone, and it's important to figure out what role you can play and do that. And just because, as I said, this isn't to brag about all the activism we do. Um, just as an example of that, the last meeting I went to with an in-person meeting with a Republican or Republican staffer was the meeting with Chip Roy in June that Antoinette set up. And I will tell you, Antoinette, that after that, I said, I, am, I Lucas Schaefer, am done with this for a while. Not that it doesn't need to be done. It does need to be done. Not that it's not important. It is. But, uh, you know, I had there was a previous iteration of Lucas Schaefer where I was a professional homosexual. Did you know this? <laughs> what I was, I, I was I, I, that's sort of a self-deprecating term, but I was in the like LGBT <gasps> nonprofit space. Oh, for, for a few years. no, um, I didn't know that. Yes, this was in my twenties, and. A big part of the sort of nonprofit work, activism, whatever you want to call it, that I was doing at that time was had to do with like straight allies. So reaching out to straight people, helping straight people be more. And I know we, I'm like so out of, I haven't been a professional homosexual in a while. So I, I know we say queer now. I'm not, I'm, I still think of myself kind of as gay just because queer wasn't the terminology at the time. So I, you know, I'm, I may be using sort of outmoded, um, terminology, but a big part of what my, my job was, was kind of reaching out to these straight people and saying, Hey, like we're human beings, see us, acknowledge us, Mm -hmm. you know, we're just like you and me, blah, blah, blah. Very important work, but also like quite tiring because 
Yes. Why should I even have to explain that to anyone? Mm-hmm. And is that going to be my entire life? And I just felt like at that meeting with the Ted Cruz legislative director and with Chip Roy himself, it was so much, see us, see us, right. see us. Right. We, are, we are your citizens. We are your constituents. We are real people. Our concerns are real. And, you know, at some point it's like, I, I'm at a place right now where I kind of don't care if, you know, Chip Roy and Ted Cruz can see me or not see me, but I'm here regardless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm here regardless, and I I'm going to assert as much power as yes. I can to 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 you know yes. defend my family and defend my people and all of that stuff. So, um, you know, for me personally, I'm at a point where I I, I those meetings feel too exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Not even exhausted. It it sounds self self pity. My heart rate was but... raised for hours after that meeting yesterday. And by the way, there there was more to it that I didn't. Um, we we don't have to get into on on the recording today. Yes. There was more to it that the meeting ultimately ended for me in quite a satisfying way. And yet, my heart rate was elevated for hours afterward. Right. Right. No. And it it's not that it's too exhausting. It's just that all of us have a specific amount of time we can dedicate to activism. And I think there are people who are so great at engaging. And I'm at the point where I want to spend all of my time just trying to defeat people who I don't think see me as even a human being. But And, and all, all that um, is important in the context of if you've tried it and it's not your gig, it's okay. There will be yes. other forms of engagement that are going to be your gig. Yes. And sometimes those meetings are my gig. Yesterday, it wasn't my gig. I showed up anyway. I felt great that I did it. As you've mentioned on a previous podcast, yes. you always feel great when you do it. You don't feel great when you don't do it. So right. I showed up, I did my thing. And then when I'm ready again later, I'll show up again. And and I know that I will be back to those meetings. I know it. I you, can feel You know it. you will too because this positive uh, activist energy is going to, you know, yin-yang that and then the it whole is. thing will move into that office. It is. But the, the bottom line is it's not important you do everything. It's important you do something. That's do right. something. Do um, okay. So we're going to take a quick break and then we will deal with Greg Abbott when we come back. So Antoinette, we are recording this on Thursday, April 30th. This is the final day of um, the stay-at-home measures in Texas as we know them. That's right. Um, So Greg Abbott has decided to let some businesses, restaurants, movie theaters, malls, um, open tomorrow at an occupancy of no more than 25%. Uh, what what do you make of this, Antoinette? Generally, I make of it that I will continue to shelter in place as though he were not changing these things for me personally. So you have you have good reason to do so. There is an excellent um, explainer about why Greg Abbott might be doing this that is written by Chris Westfall in uh, Forbes. I believe it came out two days ago. And um, we're going to get to that article a a little more in a bit. But one thing he notes is that uh, 
Texas has a population of 28 million. We currently rank 48th in the nation in testing. Mm -hmm. 770 coronavirus tests per 100,000 people. So we have no reason to believe in Texas we're on the downslope with coronavirus. I mean, we really don't know what what's going on with coronavirus in Texas because we haven't done the tests. But it certainly seems that people are still getting sick and dying. And you, Antoinette, really took one through the team here and listened to Greg Abbott's entire 45-minute speech. Yes, I did. Speech. Mm-hmm. What, how was it? What did you make of that? There were parts of it that surprised me and that I was relieved by, such as he and many members of his strike force, note the air quotes, Lucas, strike force, um, many of them and, and the governor himself were incredibly complimentary of Texans for doing the right things, um, for staying home, for adhering to the mandates and the ordinances. What surprised me, well, and it shouldn't have surprised me, was that after all of that acknowledgement, he went right into Texas is doing better than expected and the models were wrong. They were predicting all of these terrible things and then he didn't tie back the lack of terrible things happening to the the behaviors that have changed among Texans by and large throughout the state. Well, and of course if you're not if you're not testing, you don't I mean Thank if you. someone if someone dies of coronavirus and they didn't get the coronavirus test, they're not counted as dying of coronavirus. That's it. You know, there are countless stories of people who have had, you know, I guess what you'd call moderate symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. Who were essentially told, well, you probably have it, stay home, which is great advice. But again, those people aren't in it. From the beginning with Greg Abbott and Chip Mm -hmm. Roy and all of these guys, it has been about keeping the public numbers low. It hasn't been about what is happening on the ground in reality. Right. I also noticed from the press conference a couple of interesting things. Um, We don't have to spend a ton of time talking about them, but they're worth noting. At the end, one of the reporters at the press conference asked about whether or not this plan and its three phases, and particularly the question was, does phase one, which starts tomorrow, May 1st, work for Texas if we are, as a state, only expanding our testing to 25,000 tests a day. And this was interesting because um, up until then, uh, the governor had done a decent job of sort of trying to uh, answer the question that was asked. And in this one, the um, tone of voice and the level of engagement eye contact was the same. The answer had nothing to do with the question. Not nothing to do. It didn't answer the question. All he talked about was, how the 25,000 came to be. Thank you to, you know, the federal government for helping. I'm going to turn it over to the medical expert to answer the question. Then the medical expert said, well, we're talking 25 or 26,000 a day, and it's coming from a combination of public and private sources. We're so glad we're expanding testing. Nobody answered that question. Like, is that even enough for us to get through phase one so that we can earn our our way, quote unquote, into phase two based on the plan? This is what's so infuriating about this. Millions of Texans have sacrificed their livelihoods for their fellow Texans Mm -hmm. by staying at home Mm -hmm. to give 
the state and federal government the time mm-hmm. to get their act together, to ramp up testing, to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. And they haven't done it. And they haven't done it. They haven't done it. So what have they been doing? <sighs> oh, this world. Fanning the culture war flames. Mm-hmm blaming other people, providing cover for Donald Trump. It's never just about, you know, something that my father always used to say, I mean, he's still alive, so he perhaps is still saying it. still be saying I haven't heard him say it in a while, is I would do, you know, kind of a half-assed job on a homework assignment, and he would just say, you know what, you're going to feel better, and it's ultimately going to take less time if you just do it right. Mm. Just do it right. Mm -hmm. And these guys never got that advice, that if you just sit down, you do the thing, maybe it's painful, maybe it sucks, that's life. You just do it right. They didn't do it right. So then the question is, why, given that we're essentially where we, sure, we've ramped up testing a little, but schools are still closed. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Schools are still closed. So if you've got a kid and you have to go back to work, best of luck is what Greg Abbott is telling you. Mm -hmm. Um, Why are we doing this right now? And why are we doing it the way we're doing it? And keep in mind also, 25, many businesses are saying 25% is not worth it for us to open, even if it was safe. Right. You mean right. from an economic perspective? From an economic perspective, it doesn't make no sense. Um, it, did I say it doesn't make no sense? It doesn't make sense. Yes. Um, there's a um, piece, the, there's an Austin-specific piece, uh, Austin Restaurant Owners Respond to Abbott's Coronavirus Plan to Reopen Texas by Matthew Odom in The Statesman that's, that specifically quotes some people who are saying, in addition to having safety concerns, it also economically would be um very difficult we know that many austin institutions have decided despite the governor's order they will remain closed the alamo draft house the the movie um theater will remain closed out of safety concerns for their staff i'm getting emails from the restaurants that i love saying hey we're still doing curbside but we're not ready to open yet um so why are we doing this and i just want to read a few headlines that might just give us a hint as to why Greg Abbott is opening the economy. Are we ready? Let's uh, hear. Cleo Chang, April 22nd in Vice. GOP governors will push workers off unemployment by reopening early. Um, Kaylee Heck, I, I believe this is from our local CBS affiliate. Employees who don't return to work won't be eligible for unemployment per Texas Work Commission. And then there's that Chris Westfall article I referenced earlier, flattening the curve of economic benefits, the real reasons for reopening the economy. So essentially what has happened is all of these people who have lost their jobs are applying for unemployment insurance. And if the job that has reduced them to zero hours or laid them off or whatever is reopening, they are no longer eligible for those benefits, even if they don't feel safe going back to work. 
the Republicans are trying to make it seem as if these people are essentially takers who want to sit, you know, sit around collecting unemployment while not going to work. Well, let's just be clear here. We don't have the test, so we don't know who's asymptomatic. We don't we don't know who's got it, who doesn't. If you are uh, a waiter or waitress who is living with mom and dad, living with grandma, they have pre-existing conditions, they're elderly. You have a you're in a real tough bind because you're exposing yourself and very vulnerable people to coronavirus if you go back to work. And if you don't go back to work, you cannot apply for unemployment. Unemployment. It also puts the businesses in uh an odd an odd space. In one of these articles, the example is given of a landlord who has decided to uh, you know, landlords can essentially, you know, a landlord who hasn't been charging rent because of everything that's going on. Well, now the economy's back open. So what's mm-hmm. your excuse, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, businesses that are applying for these, uh, you know, sort of disaster loans, uh, business stoppage loans mm-hmm. can no, will no longer be able to do that because, well, technically you could open. So, mm-hmm. If you didn't, well, that's freedom. Mm. Well, having to choose between staying alive or having enough money to live is not freedom. That's not freedom. There were four points that the governor made at the end of his address that he said were like the keys to ongoing success for Texas. And the first was a commitment to social distancing. Now, of course, he's emphasizing your your willingness to go as far as you want to go, not yes. a mandate, right? Um that we need to protect the most vulnerable. And he mentioned the elderly, several of them did many times, which was a surprise to me because Dan Patrick was right right behind him. Dan Patrick, who said on more than one occasion that, you know, anybody over 70 is willing to die to open the economy back up. So that was kind of interesting. The third thing that uh, the governor mentioned was listening to medical experts and following the data, although he really didn't talk about who the experts were or what the data is they'd be looking at. And the fourth thing that he said was to open business. And here was a statement that he just kind of made in an offhand way. He said, we know that entrepreneurs drive the Texas economy. That was that was an interesting statement. A lot of emphasis uh, again on you know exceptionalism, individualism, rugged entrepreneurship, and not the workers that make all the things go. Right. I, I have seen numerous Republican politicians meet with people like the you know the head of the like restaurant owners of America or what you know whatever these trade associations are and make it sound as if they're meeting with employees they're not meeting with employees they're meeting with employers that's right and you know we've talked about this on previous episodes but i think what a lot of this comes back to is the republican party in texas has convinced itself that they are the only real texans and they are the only real americans and the rest mm-hmm. of us should just be grateful to be here Mm-hmm. Um, and they just, you know, the idea that you're a taker if 
you feel unsafe going back to work because there's no testing. You don't have the proper protection. You're exposed to people who you care about who um, are older or have uh, pre-existing conditions. The idea that those people are takers, Mm -hmm. but people like Chip Roy, who for six, seven weeks has been sitting around tweeting, doing absolutely nothing. Oh, no, fixing his fence. Fixing his fence, but doing nothing for the people who pay his salary, uh, whining about how he is actually the person who is oppressed. These are the takers. Mm-hmm. That that that's what a taker is, right? On the government dole, doing nothing. Uh, not the workers of Texas who have a tough tough decision based on. Uh, what the governor's done. And it, of course, it is a tough decision. And when you you hear him in the press conference, Governor Abbott says a few times, he keeps reassuring business owners, you don't have to open if you don't want to. Nobody's saying that you have to. This is not a mandate that you have to open your business. Not once does he talk about what happens if you're a worker and the owner of the business that you work at wants to open the business and you don't feel safe returning to work. No Man, reassurances. Fair- Nope. Well, and in fair, he also has nothing to offer business owners who, for the safety of their workers, don't want to reopen because they are then no longer eligible for this money. And as we have said many times, both on the air and off it, this money is our money. Mm-hmm. The Texas government is us. The federal government is us, right? Mm-hmm. This is not, you know, h- how are you a taker? It's infuriating, and it all comes back to the failure of the Abbott administration and the failure of the Trump administration on testing. And it also, last thing I'll say on this is, and uh, you know, pl- plenty of writers have pointed this out. This is not an original idea, but the government made a choice, right, mm-hmm. that they did not want to sustain us with our own money through this crisis that was taken off the table mm-hmm. right that hey we are going to fund you and make sure you have what you need as citizens of texas as citizens of america who have paid into this system we're going to make sure you're taken care of until we can safely go back to work that is a choice we could have made mm-hmm. we didn't make it and by we i mean the minority uh of Republicans who have managed through gerrymandering and voter suppression to turn themselves into a majority. Um, I'm speaking federally in Texas, where you know there are, there are a lot of Republicans. It is true. Um, okay, so I think we're going to give you guys some things we were thinking we could all do to deal with this situation that we're in, and we will do that in one second. Okay, we are back. Oh my God, this was a real. I said to Antoinette before, I think this one's going to be shorter today. (laughs) I don't know if we have as much to say. I was in disbelief. We sort of knew there was going to be a lot to say. I was in denial. I was in denial. Um, Okay, so we're action-oriented around these parts. Um, So let's say it. What can we do, Lucas, now that we've assessed this governor's address and we're about to enter phase one of reopening Texas? What do we do? The first thing we can do, Antoinette, um, is 
we're going to keep on the governor about testing mm-hmm. because this is these are the four words we need to continually say where are the tests mm-hmm. if we have the testing we can start going back to work safely um we had a wonderful little experience it was a delightful surprise we a delightful received surprise. a photo two photos of a listener's yard signs uh, they took us up on a previous challenge, a previous call to action to put a sign in the yard that says, where are the tests? And then a second sign that had all of our federal leaders, elected um, officials, numbers on them. Yes. So that was so great to see. It's such an easy thing to do if you've got a yard and some cardboard or cardboard. even a window, a window and some cardboard. Markers. Um, yes. Um Continue to hold these people accountable on testing. You're going to want to call your congressperson. You're going to want to call your senators, especially in Texas. There's just no excuse for us to be 48th in testing. There's zero excuse. It makes no sense. Um, And we want to stay on our leaders about this because they're trying to brush this under the rug and say, hey, we're back. All's well, we succeeded, we we won. And you know, no. <laughs> no. What else can we do? Um, we can be sure to continue to engage with those businesses that really take public health into consideration yes. and are making hard choices in the best way for all of us. Yes. So if there is a business that has decided for the safety of its employees, for the safety of the people who go there um, as customers to remain closed, to, if it's a restaurant, maybe do takeout and curbside, but not open the dining room, all of those things, let those people know that you support them. Uh, let them know on social media, um, if, the, if they have you know, social media um for you to comment on, you know, write them a letter, give them a call, say thank you. um, And make sure that when this is all over, you are patronizing those businesses. Uh, You know, if if you can patronize them now, if they've got limited uh, whatever, uh, do that. And then when, when they're back open, let them know because they're, you know, these are not, I mean, I'm not a small business owner. It would be a really tough choice. It is a tough choice. It is a, a tough, tough choice. choice. Um, so that's what we can do. The, the scary thing is for the people who may be going back to work tomorrow um, and feeling like, you know, they're putting themselves with their loved ones at risk, there's a little less we can can do right now, which is why we, in terms of the immediate short-term fix it mm-hmm. tomorrow, mm-hmm which is why staying on our elected officials about these tests uh, is is so important. And of course, if there's another flare-up in Texas, and we certainly hope there won't be, but science indicates there may be, um, you know, that's not going to be good for the economy. Make your voice heard. This is the most important thing. Make Make your your damn voice heard, (laughs) as we have done for the last seven hours or however long we have been talking to each other, which I love. I could do it. (laughs) 
we could do, maybe we should one day do a 24 hour oh, live wow. pod. Wow. Where that we would just, be a challenge. That would be a I'll, challenge. I'll just have a coffee IV hooked up. Lucas, you and I are learning so much from doing this. And and one thing that I'm learning is that at the end of each episode, I can never really predict until we get there how I'm going to be feeling. So how are you feeling very quickly? Um, I'm I'm feeling okay. I'm I always feel better when we talk about what we can do today. Good. How are you feeling? I feel much better. I feel much better. Today's been good. And we are looking forward to Friday because Friday's episode is our weekend grab bag. We're in a grab bag situation. This is when we give some sort of cultural recommendations, what has been um, getting us through and have some Mm -hmm. other sort of, I want to say lighter discussions. I feel like last week it still got a little... There was the the froth was the frothing rage. This is the world we live in, Lucas. You know, the the darkness and the lightness and all those things are a direct reflection of the things that are going on around us. So let's absolutely roll. We guys are now on Twitter and Instagram, both at This World Pod. We are available by email at OhThisWorldPod at gmail.com. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and the whole, I think all of the things. Please subscribe. Please consider rating us. Um, And thank you to those who have already rated us. I mean, I guess if it's a low low rating, you can keep it to yourself. But, um, (laughs) and, you know, we will see you. We won't see you. We never see you. I don't know why I say see you. I don't know why I say viewers. We will talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.